Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. This is Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you didn't understand what was going on in your marriage, when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, thinking if you found the right program or therapist, it could help him. When I realized what was really happening, I couldn't believe I'd supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. Like, how does that happen? Why is it that we go for help, but instead we just get dismissed over and over and over by therapists, by clergy, by other professionals? Why doesn't anyone understand this type of abuse? That's why I started podcasting. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark about what was really happening to her. If you feel the same way, one simple way to help spread the word, an anonymous way, is to go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app, find the btr.org podcast, and click on follow or subscribe. Just pushing one little button on your favorite podcasting app will bump this podcast up in the algorithm. By anonymously pushing that button, you could be the miracle some other woman out there needs. Because there are so many women praying for answers and they don't know where to look. While you're there, a five-star rating helps too and can save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program, that'll make this type of abuse worse. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama Husband Drama, available on Amazon, thank you please circle back and give it a five-star rating because same thing goes there. A lot of women search for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon and rating Trauma Mama there will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. If you're new to the podcast, consider starting with the oldest episodes first and then work your way forward chronologically. If you do that, you'll hear a change in my voice as I grow in my confidence and skills. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you or all of the above, and no one understands exactly how to help you. We do. If you're wondering where to start, go to btr.org steps to see your next three steps. And check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org. We'd love to see you in a group session today. On today's episode, we have my dear, dear friend, Sarah McDougall. You might know her from her website, which is wildernesstowild.com. You can find her on Facebook under Sarah McDougall. I love Sarah. She's been on the podcast before. She and I are so grateful for our friendship. So welcome, Sarah. I love your audience. I do too. So if you're listening, thank you. I don't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Sarah appreciates it. It's amazing how many victim warriors, sheroes, whatever survivors, whatever we want to call ourselves, are out there and how big the community of survivors is in general, right? Not just women who listen to BTR, but just women who are looking for answers online. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to my team just this week, and one of them was mentioning how when, when she was trying to get out, the resources that exist, you guys, us, they simply weren't there. And there is such a movement. Well, some would, would freak out about a movement where 
women and children are empowered against abuse because to some, it feels like it's the end of all the traditional things, right? But really, I see women and children and some men who have recognized that what God wants for our relationships, for our families, for our marriages, is safety and wholeness and love and kindness. In the New Testament, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peacefulness, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control, self-discipline, faithfulness. And so I see the movement of, especially women, because that's who I work with, who are standing up and saying, no, we will no longer tolerate cruelty, violence, deception, faithlessness. I see it as actually moving closer to the calling of living like Jesus Christ, not in a wholesale destruction of allegiance to marriage, but instead taking the marriage institution off of a golden calf pedestal where it is being worshipped like a pagan god and saying what God designed for marriage is for marriages to reflect the wholeness and the kindness and the safety and the unity that Jesus provides. Both Sarah and I are Christian. You've heard me share from my faith experience. So we're going to be sharing today from a Christian point of view. So for listeners who are of another faith or no faith at all, whatever paradigm you subscribe to or do not subscribe to, you're welcome here today. And we are going to be sharing from our faith perspective today. And this is just to say this is what we've experienced and what we hope for people from our own point of view, right? So everyone's welcome. This is not an attempt to like proselytize or anything like that. I think it's interesting that a lot of people see movement towards safety as anti-man maybe or anti-marriage or anti-faith or anti-Jesus. And it's not any of those things. It's pro-peace, right? We're moving toward God. We're moving toward the principles that we have learned about in the scriptures, the the ones that you just talked about. What are your thoughts about the reasons why people say that victims getting to safety, emotional safety, psychological safety, sexual safety, why do you think that rather than seeing it as something that God would want, why do you think they see it as like, you know, bad? (laughs) That's a loaded question, Anne. Well, I don't, I think it's complicated, right? So the answer that you give will be one answer out of many. But what what are your thoughts about like the top reason that you think that might be? Well, I think that the top reason or the foundational reason, it might be the baseline reason and everything else builds out on this foundation, is the fear of loss of control. You see, when we have a model, and this reaches far outside of just the Christian faith community, it, it spans any 
potentially religious faith community as well as simply secular or political communities. All of the above. When we have a model of interaction, a relational dynamic, where the operation depends on one group or party or gender or segment of the population having the entitlement to exercise control and not just control but coercion to do what they want especially to the harm of those who are being controlled then we have an abusive relational dynamic however for those who are in the position of holding the control the system works for them very very well right like you said earlier, I'm a person of faith, a, a woman who's rooted in the Christian faith community, but this particular thing applies across the board outside of religious stripes. So when we are looking at belief systems of any background, where the institution of marriage is held higher in value based on the right of one partner to exercise control or headship over the other partner, then we are operating in inside of an abusive relational dynamic. So now let's let's step back into the the, the Christian faith community. When we have a heavily patriarchal headship model, it is very appealing to those who would be placed in the the role of having all the control and having the entitlement to coerce. And I believe that that goes back to creation, the Garden of Eden, which was the offer of the serpent in the tree you will be as gods. You will have the power to take it, to take control over others. And that is when you step into sin. You get to rule over everyone else in a way that makes you a demigod, that places you on the throne of power over other humans instead of working together, surrendered, to God. Now, Jesus flipped that on its head. So when we look at the words of Jesus, where he says, the Gentiles, the, the, the others, the ones who are not my followers is kind of what he's saying. They lord it over each other. They, they take control over each other. They dominate each other. That's how people do it who aren't following me. But if you're following me, they will know you are Christ's disciples by how you love each other, not by how you lord it over each other. In, in that, I believe 
he was effectively flipping that desire to take coercive control over others on its head or that entitlement, not the desire, but flipping that entitlement that, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, so I get to tell you what to do. He's like, no, 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 no. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you're going to be down here beside me on your knees, washing the feet of others. You're going to be a servant. You're going to use any power that you have to protect, to heal, not to destroy, not to control. And so even at the end of the New Testament in Revelation, where Jesus sends, I, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you come to the door and you choose to let me in, I will sit down and I will be with you. I'll eat supper with you if you want to put it that way. Jesus, his model is one of welcome invitation, not coercive control. Back to your original question, and I'm, I'm eager to hear your thoughts as you're processing maybe a completely different perspective on it. But from my perspective, when we go back to that original question about why do some people feel that preventing abuse and handling abuse firmly, rescuing others from abuse, is threatening to marriage, I believe it is because they are afraid that if marriage becomes defined as anything other than where wives and children are under the control of husbands and fathers, under the authoritative or authoritarian jurisdiction then all hell will break loose because they're scared that people might not actually choose love. And so they tighten the grip on control. But isn't that the risk that God takes with us in the first place? We get to choose whether or not we want to stay there, to, to be responsive to love. Yeah, I agree with you 100% about the root cause of the control. Um, the, the power over model that you have no personal power whatsoever unless you have power over someone else, right? Is that feeling of like, you would not be a king if you did not have subjects. And so you have to be in charge in order to have any power whatsoever rather than the power with model, which is equality, where you work together and your power comes from compromise, your power comes from truth, your power comes from responsibility, your power comes as a couple from both of you being equally yoked, being equally invested, having perhaps different talents, obviously, different strengths and weaknesses, but in terms of being equally committed to each other, without deception, because deception introduces power over because someone has more information than the other person. Yeah, I think it's threatening. It's like, wait, 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 wait. If wives don't toe the line, what are we going to do? They might leave me when I'm a complete jerk. Heaven Maybe forbid. We should 
just not be complete jerks at home. Maybe. And what would happen if the power were equal? For abusers, that's really threatening, right? Yes, because because that's how they maintain that that foundation of control is by holding the power. But I do want to point out something really quick that I believe that in a healthy, thriving relationship or marriage, we can be equal without having exact 50-50 equality in the same types of power. For example, in most marriages, simply by genetic DNA, it's likely that your husband is going to be physically stronger than the wife, right? So we're not saying, hey, he and she need to be equally physically as strong and need to be equally adapted to doing exactly the same tasks. Now, that also doesn't mean that we have to have a very arbitrary, specific gender stereotype. I mean, wherever he's stronger, he does that stuff. And where she's stronger, she does that stuff. Exactly. It's not based on gender so much as it is based on individual talents. Yes. So you might have any set of couples who, where he absolutely loves to cook and he's really good at it. So he does that. And, and you might have stuff where she really enjoys, I don't know, doing yard work or, or indoor remodeling. And she just gets a real thrill out of that. And so he totally supports her interest in that. Or maybe she's the CFO of a hospital or a bank or, Maybe he works as a as a plumber or a construction worker, and she runs the local library. Who cares? As long as they are thriving between the two of them in the gifts and interests that God has given each of them, and as long as each partner is using whatever power they do have for the betterment, the protection, and the uplifting of the other partner and of the the home and family as a whole. And in that scenario, I think it's really important to point out that there's never a time where someone says, well, you have to do this or I'm entitled to have you do it because you're the particular gender, right? Well, right. like I'm not going to clean the toilet because men don't clean toilets. Or I'm I'm not going to mow the lawn because (laughs) women don't mow the lawn or, you know, things like that. But it's based on individual strengths, weaknesses, interests. Because I I talk to so many people our age. Sarah and I are practically the same age. I don't know what's going on now with people in their 20s who are getting married. But I feel like nobody in our generation, when we got married, sat down and said, okay, what are my particular strengths and weaknesses? And what am I interested in? And what are your particular strengths and weaknesses? And what are you interested in? And then having this conversation like, oh, really? I don't like to cook. You do? Okay. Would you mind cooking? And he's like, oh, no, that sounds great. And I'm like, I love yard work. I bring up yard work a lot because I love gardening and I love yard work. So if it came down to like mowing the lawn or cooking, I'd way rather mow the lawn. Just having a conversation and then realizing, wait, neither of us like to clean the toilet. So why don't we do every other week? Yeah. Right. Since neither of us like it. Or why don't we hire someone to clean our toilets? Or 
you know, there's a lot of different ways to deal with that. But the answer isn't like him looking at you and being like, well, since I don't like it, it's going to be your job. There's, there's really one job that can't be divvied up. And that's if you're choosing to breastfeed. Like when there's only one milk bar in town, then maybe that one can't be shared. But even then, pregnancy and breastfeeding are the 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 two things. But even with breastfeeding, you know, and, and my kids are teenagers now. Um, but even when my kids were born, there were breast pumps and bottles. Dad. Grandma, grandpa could help feed the baby. We're not in 1872 anymore. But outside of those very, very particular biological constraints, pretty much anything can be discussed and agreed upon according to the strengths and interests and abilities of any set of partners, any couple. I do think the like traditional, like from the pulpit gender roles, I think they undermine God's mission for individual strengths and weaknesses. You know, like we've all been given strengths and weaknesses. And to say like, oh, no, no, forget that you're really good at math and you'd be a great engineer. Forget that. God really just wanted you to do laundry and do the dishes. That's it. That's it for you because you're a woman. And let's just pretend, let's like turn a blind eye toward the fact that you're really good at math and you're really, really interested in it. Did God not say, don't hide your candle under a bushel? Yeah. And I don't recall the the whole list of to some he gave prophets and to some he gave evangelism and to some he gave teaching and to some. I don't recall that being to some men he gave prophecy and to some men he gave evangelism and to some men and to women he gave the meals, make the sandwiches. It's really not how Paul said it. For those for listeners who really like making sandwiches, like we are proud of you. Good job. Just because Sarah and I do not like it does not mean <laughs> that it's not a worthy thing to like. Sarah and I are like, it was we're weird when we first met. We were like, oh my word, we're like sisters that never met before yeah. then because we had so many of the similar views and same even. personality types and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I I have to I have to say, I grew up doing all the things. I can bake homemade bread. I can cook. I can can. I can garden. I can sew. I spent many of my classes in college bringing knitting or crocheting or cross-stitching to my college classes just to keep my hands busy because we didn't have fidget spinners back then. I can also drive a stick shift and change the oil. I was raised out in the country in a gardening, farming kind of family. So when I say I don't like doing those things, it's not because I don't know how, and it's not because I can't do them well. It's just that even though I know how to do all of those things, and sometimes I find a lot of joy and satisfaction in doing those, they are not the things that give me the most desire to wake up and get going in the morning. And for some people, if that is just where you come alive, then that is wonderful. Please come live next door to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs>
I, I think that that just very rigid gender role, this is what God intended for you without actually knowing who you are as an individual is really counter to everything God is about. Like he does love you individually. He cares about you. He gave you talents. He gave you strengths. He gave you weaknesses because we all have weaknesses because we're all human. But like discounting that doesn't seem right for a man to be able to to say, oh, I have these strengths. And for a woman to be like, well, we know you have these strengths, but they're, you can't really use them. You can't really do it in that way. You have seven options and your options are housework, raising kids, you know dishes, whatever. These are your seven options and they include laundry and cleaning toilets is crazy. It's crazy. Uh, but you know, that, that being said, yeah. I, um, I think that it, I just want to throw out it just kind of a side thing. So often the traditional roles don't just outsource all of the mental load, the emotional labor and the domestic labor to the wife. It also outsources all of the parenting to mom. And that's one place where Mm -hmm. I think that's really unfair to men. And I don't mean this from a, a bitter or angry perspective at all. I mean, Knowing your children and spending time with your kids is a beautiful thing as a parent. So I believe that when we psychologically, when we just mentally assume that parenting is mom's job because dads just bring home the bacon, we are stealing the beauty of being actively involved in the psychological, intellectual, emotional, verbal, spiritual, social development of children from dads. And I don't think that's fair. And I don't mean like, well, dads should really just have some of this heavy duty labor too. I mean, okay. Yeah. But I can't imagine having children and growing up not being able to know them. That huge caveat is I am not discussing abusive, broken down, dysfunctional relationships. I'm talking about the ideal. We are going to pause right here where Sarah's talking about the ideal. I paused it here knowing that it's not good for kids to be around abuse. She was not trying to say that. Kids need more time with their abuser or their dad who's abusive. We're going to go over that next week, so stay tuned. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please help me reach other women by pushing that follow or subscribe button on your podcasting app of choice and giving us a five-star rating. Just pushing that little button will help other women find us. Also, your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast and donate today. And until next week, stay safe out there.